All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain with Swire basketball podcast. We're here. We're back. We're not going anywhere, even though, you know, NCAA tournament, Andy, didn't go well for us. No, it for really you, did not. Well. For you, it's amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I have to, like, pretend to be not excited about it right now because we're talking about the Mountain West. But personally, I am having a blast because this is the best that the, the Beavers have ever done. Uh, and I am... Huge Oregon State fans uh, from being, you know, from Corvallis. So, yeah, this is amazing for for me personally, but I, I do feel for for everyone in the Mountain West community at the moment. All right. We have stuff up over at MWR.com, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. We have some recaps and other things going on. We'll have some off-season retrospective once we get to it because it's our morning period, Andy. We need to relax and not worry about too many things and just chill. But it also doesn't yeah. help when – Spring football, San Diego State gets paused for COVID. San Jose State paused for COVID. Boise State a day. But we'll get some that's, – that's not football. I'm just saying there's a – some good well, and, there. And basketball's not done yet either. we still got two teams alive in the NIT. So, you know, so – We'll get to that, definitely. We'll get to that as well. But, you know, yeah, for, for all intents and purposes, the dream is <sighs> – the dream is Over. dead. <laughs> dream is dead for those teams so we'll get to the tournament in a second but the tournament in general you know how dumb i feel because i knew I, i'm no dummy when it comes well okay i can't say i'm not a dummy i am kind of dumb for picks <laughs> because we discussed i'm not gonna crow but i was correct about one game getting canceled for covid the oregon over vc which sucks i mean it's yeah. just ridiculous when their coach like we've been negative for weeks upon weeks Something happened. Who knows if it's some in a hotel, flying, whatever. I'm not sure they got there. Yeah, because they're kind of far from Indy. But I kind of that happened, unfortunately. Hoping nothing goes forward and happens if there'll be a delay. But with Kansas coming in late, Virginia coming in late, I kind of figure there's going to be an upset here. And I think I picked Ohio in most of my brackets. I do like two or three because I usually do them. I forget to copy the ones before. So they're basically the same except for like four picks. It's usually like the first round ones. But yeah, yeah. So do. I'm also a one true bracket person, you know, so I, I believe like, oh, these are, you know, this is the bracket that I'm going to show people and say, like, this is what I picked. But, you know, you you enter picks other places and it's like I don't have that bracket with me all the time. <laughs> so I, I try. I try to replicate it, but I forget. And like with some of those games, I don't think I picked Oklahoma, Missouri the same way twice, man. So, you know, <laughs> I just. Yeah, I just I turned in a lot of you know brackets into different places and i tried to make them the one true bracket because i do think that you know it's kind of like not great to be like oh i called this upset when it's like well yeah you called it in one of your eight brackets you know but <laughs> but, hey, hey, but yeah but, but so, we knew like we should have been smarter with this with COVID's playing team and this isn't even considering like loyal of being under where they should have been at least a three seed probably it's a thing one where of, like, three seed but yeah well, I agree they eight. were a, a li- higher than an eight. I'll give they you were that. Nine I and think 10, seven. Tom. Yeah, but Colgate was ten in the net. You know, I don't want to give them a three seed either. But I'm just, you know, I think the, the quality metrics are great, but I still don't think that they played a, a, gr- a good enough schedule to to be much higher than like a, a six is probably the highest I would put them. Okay, we'll go with that. I, it's, it's, but, I don't watch yeah, it enough to know either. So I'm but hey, they're in the Sweet 16, so obviously I'm wrong there too. Like, yeah. right, I'm sitting here Apparently. saying I'd put them as, you know, one of the not top 16 teams in the country. It gets the point I say all the time, and I think Chris Schultz on Twitter said it pretty well, and Gary Parrish has said it for years. 
And we kind of half kidding when Syracuse is always in the bubble. You know why they're always on the bubble? They're gifted, handed, given the baton. Here's some free candy of some great chocolate you love of 10 Q1 games without trying to schedule at all. And so that it's like this isn't a bracket thing who's seeded or not, but we discussed it before. If you're a team that's not Gonzaga and basically not Gonzaga, San Diego State can sort of do it still. New Mexico, even though they're not great, sort of can. UNLV, a little bit, not as much. Wichita State's moved up where they sort of can, like in a big when they're in the American. But like even like if you're Memphis or Houston or those type of teams, you have to go out and find those games. Like if you're in a conference like well, the yeah. You're getting what at most five if you're lucky. If you're lucky, and that's usually from two or three teams, and that fifth one's typically a road game because of the way it changes. And so, it's it's also hard this year too. It's not easy as well when they, when their one play game was Wisconsin, they got beat by double digits, I believe. Their one really good opponent. It's also hard to know when you only play league games when like your formula, your grade book. It's hard to do it when there's no overlapping play from right. uh, Mountain West, Big Ten, ACC, West Coast Conference, Pac-12, Big Sky, or anything like that. Whatever it's a, a disparity in good conferences to not good, like a, a 10 conference versus 22 or a 1 versus 6 conference, there's no overlapping to know how good they were. And so they're clearly low. We're clearly wrong. But my point being, we should have known. Like nobody would say – or like I wasn't going to pick Oral Roberts to win two games. But I always debated. I, pick, I didn't pick Illinois-Chicago or Loyal, I mean. I'm like, oh, I figured one game, maybe two. I'm like, that oh, Illinois top number one seed, top five. Like Michigan didn't play for weeks. I only didn't play for 50-something days. They made the NCAA tournament. We should have known to pick these random low seeds to move on at least one game or even two. Like I'm looking at my – I'm pulling up my bracket right now in our Mount West Wire group. I have 34 points. I haven't checked it in a couple days just because I've been not too happy with it. At the moment – our buddy Eric Smiley, who does Boise State football, is winning the way. So football guy is leading. However, points remaining is not in his favor with only 68 points remaining of 42. <laughs> he has 42 of 68. So there's some people who have like 112, like our couple guys in the side, like Josh Freeland, it is CSU stuff, is at 112 left. Uh, random, per, not random, sorry, apologies. Not Person not in the site, Alicia Rios Little can get 120 points, but they're sitting at seventh right now. So they're in good shape to make a move. So I'm trying to see. I'm tied for seventh. So I have a decent did I forget way to, to submit one? Probably. No, you. Um, or did cool. I? Should I tell you where you're at? Oh, okay. I did submit. No, I know it's bad. You're near the bottom. <laughs> oh, of course, man. I. If it's anything, if it's like my one true bracket, it is bad. <laughs> you're nice. Terrible. You're. I'm. I'm. Your 96 points can get you up there, but like I'm looking at mine. But like we should have known. Like you. You have. Uh, you have Texas Tech going far. Here's your problem. If your Final Four is correct, um, you only have Baylor and Gonzaga because you had Illinois losing and Texas. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. No, Texas. this is not – I don't know what I was doing with this bracket. This is not <laughs> – Not I your one-two bracket? No, because my – I mean, my one-two bracket – this is bad as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, my one-two bracket uh, that I submitted elsewhere had um, Alabama, which is fine. And Gonzaga, which is fine, but also had Purdue <laughs> instead oh. of Texas. So, you know, I made the same mistake of having a team that lost in the first game, making it to the Final Four. And then I think Houston, no, Illinois, Illinois. So, you know, that, yeah, didn't go My Final Four, either. Gonzaga, Alabama, Baylor, great. Illinois, not so good. 
I had like the one. Okay, the one double digit seed. I think nobody cares about a bracket. My team is Greensboro. I'm like, oh, Florida State didn't look all like good in their last game. So I had them winning, but that's a completely wrong team. Apparently, in this bracket, I did not. I did not go back and change it to Ohio. Like, oh, like a dummy. But like, I'm picking like Winthrop to win. I'm like, oh, come on. Have you tested to win a game? <sighs> but but knowing back, like it's hard to know which ones to pick. But this. If you're saying it's you're shocked by these upsets, you shouldn't be. First of all, even like San Diego State and Syracuse, which we'll get to in a second, I'm not. Sh- I'm shocked at how the not. I'm not shocked at the final result, like the who won, but I am about the margin of victory, which was not was not good at all. And basically, what happened was kind of what we thought with how shooting three pointers, you got to make them or not. And then Syracuse was just a. Uh, they won by freaking – Essex scored 18 points in the first half. 18 points. 70. Yeah. I, I had to watch – I had to do a little homework before we started on here. I watched the, you know, the condensed highlights, and it's just that – watching that stretch where they were up 15 to 10, and then just Syracuse just went nuts, man. Uh, Buddy Bayheim. Buddy Buck, get his name right. Bloody buckets. Yeah. Well, Jackson Thomas Bayheim. I was wrong last week. Last week, I think I said it was just Thomas, but that's his middle name. It's Jackson Thomas, apparently. Uh, Bayheim. So it's not even Buddy, but, you know, whatever. What is the nickname? But the game itself, the two Aztec players, Mitchell and Shackle, stepped up. Like, they were just garbage. Here's why they lost. Like, they, they couldn't shoot the dang ball. 11 of 40. Like, the zone defense. This is what this is what our buddy Josh Casillo over at News Magician mentioned because I put it in like the Q and A. I'm like, hey, so how do they? What happens to Aztecs start hitting the three? He's like, well, they'll just let them keep shooting because eventually they'll probably miss. They didn't even have to try to do it. Like, fine, we'll take a step backwards and not let you shoot it, and they're still making it because like Mensa only had five points. He had only three shots. They allowed them to shoot it because I don't I don't fault the Aztecs for shooting the three pointers, but we were not making it you got to try a different way to either a different three-pointer or attack so differently. And I get it. There was only a couple days in between, but you got to like Brian Dutcher has been around Steve Fisher forever. He should know, or you should figure out. It's a couple days. I remember when Rick Majerus university of Utah was going to play Michigan state with their triangle and two zone. He goes to the regular practice in the gym at the, I think elite eight round, because I think that's who they played before they got to the final four when they lost to Kentucky, unfortunately, at my end. So they practice, whatever. They you know what they do. Like, I'm pretty sure most teams do this, but at the time it's like, oh, they go to some ballroom inside there to practice for hours upon hours of going up against that triangle and two. And what do you know? Andre Miller has like the first triple-double since Magic Johnson in the lead eight, and they beat Michigan State to move on. I'm like, do you not have time to – you have more technology, more information to look and to figure out. I know execution is different, but – it shouldn't be – there's a reason that zone defense is as good as well. I'm not saying to like what it is, but there's enough time, technology, coaching to realize how to attack this type of off, attack of defense, and they failed miserably. Well, yeah, and I mean are you just going to – someone is going to have to play Syracuse every year. The NCAA is going to keep putting them in because <laughs> they keep going to the Sweet 16. Because they're hand-wrapped so, you know. and gifted 10 Q1 games, and they go four and yeah. seven, four and six, and it's good enough. It's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're 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 gonna be beneficiaries of that. Hey, we we finished eighth in the ACC and we got to the you know tournament quarterfinals or semifinals and got a good win somewhere along, you know, yeah. But then they're gonna go in and and, and they're 
they're going to confuse somebody and throw them off and someone's plan a isn't going to work and they're going to get bounced out of the tournament really quickly and it keeps happening it feels like and yeah i think you know as it as it keeps happening as the lore of the underseeded syracuse or the low-seeded syracuse grows you have (laughs) to start you have to prepare for it. I mean, I don't know how much. Obviously, once you know that you're drawn with Syracuse, then you have to go into, you know, DefCon Five. But I, but hold on, I don't I apologize. know. It was Arizona who Utah beat. I knew that didn't sound right. They beat Arizona who still played that same defense, Lou Olson. So regardless, mm. you're right. You got to play whenever. So sorry, continue your thoughts. There. Oh well, just that you know, it, it, it's you're running a pretty big gamble by not preparing. You know, to not having a solid game plan for that going into the year, I guess. I mean, you know, you're not going to face that defense a lot. And that's why, because right. The bracketing rules make it so that you're not supposed to face teams that you've seen before in the first two rounds. Mm -hmm. So Syracuse goes out there specifically against teams who have not seen this. It's not even like, Oh man, they got lucky. And they saw, you know, no, the bracketing rules say they're not supposed to play anyone from the ACC and they're not supposed to play anybody that they played earlier in the season. In the first two rounds, you know, in the first two rounds, if you can avoid it and usually they can avoid it. And so, you know, you run into these teams who, Oh, and, and also, you know, teams you're supposed to avoid matchups from the first like from the most recent tournaments too if you if you can mm-hmm. you know these are just like the guidelines but it makes it fun it makes it interesting it makes you have to have coach and play well well yeah and so that's the thing is that you know but and that i think is part of the success of syracuse uh is that by design the bracket puts them in position to catch teams off guard and especially if they're coming in as an 11 seed you're looking at teams who are good but not elite as as a six seed, you know, in their first round opponent. Yeah. And you're looking at, you know, in a second round opponent, maybe a three seed that is great but vulnerable, you know, great but has lost a few games mm-hmm. or is pretty good and is streaking but is not that talented. You know, like you're not dealing with one seeds or two seeds. The six and the three are kind of an interesting seed. And, you know, it's not surprising to see 11s make this run. And and for Syracuse in particular, when they get put into a spot like that, yeah, teams get caught off guard. And and here you go. Uh, You know, San San Diego State, unfortunately, is sitting at home. But on the other side, you got Utah State getting an 11 seed. And their 6-3 draw was much tougher. I would say than San Diego State, West Virginia. I don't know Texas Tech and Arkansas. That is a tough. Oh yeah. Draw, and Texas Tech is a six. I mean, I get it. I get why Texas Tech was a six, but that's a tough six to play, man. It is. But one little quick thing on this before we move on this game here: the Aztecs and Orange. Like the Aztecs were built to beat this team because they were what I think a 38% three-point shooting team for the year. Basically, I think top ten top 10 or something, they shot 27%. They make 11 of 40. Matt Mitchell, who did have 17 points, had to go one of nine from three-point range. You had Shackle, only go five, had Jordan go five of 13. Everybody else was like 0 for 3, 0 for 3. Selko couldn't make any, Butler couldn't make any. Like Gomez well, is freaking one for seven. That's a problem. And and the zone defense lets you allows you to get not just a, good, a shot. You're getting good open looks most of the time. Like, when they're playing the zone, they're not. They get out there and kind of 
they go after you, drop back, go after you, drop back. But you should be getting – you're getting pretty good looks with this type of defense that wants you to take that shot. Yeah. I guess maybe we should have seen a, a much larger red flag because I brought it – I think I brought it up near the end of our podcast last week. And I'm just thinking about it again. In the Mountain West Championship game, San Diego State was bad from beyond the arc. They won that game, but they were 2 of 15 from beyond the arc. They shot 13% for the game. And Utah State was not better. I mean, not much no. better. They shot 23%. <laughs> so they were technically better. Uh, but, you know, I looked at it, and we were talking about how, like, ah, yeah, they're, 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 look how good they are. Yeah, they were a little cold against Utah State, but it shouldn't be a big thing. Well, that coldness, uh, <laughs> it, it followed them. It, it did. And, you know, I don't think it helped that – Buddy Buckets was going off on the other end, right? I think that rattles you to have that going on. And so you might, I guess, while you're already going up against a tougher defense that's going to require a little bit more maybe mental sharpness and acumen than normal because you you got you to gotta remember this game. It, you're not playing your normal thing maybe, you know, quite as much. Uh, or you're you're thinking about their defense more then you might think about um, a man-to-man defense. Here's one thing. Uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, you get Buddy Beheim. There were also two and one, like, uh, four-point plays during that stretch where Syracuse (laughs) really built out the lead. And (laughs) and that's the sort of, like, momentum-shifting stuff that's just going to, like, frustrate one side and it's going to really fire up the other side. And that stuff, I mean, that's... That's the random stuff that you can't really plan for or predict or talk about on a podcast. You don't know what's going to happen. But as soon as it happens twice in that span, you're like, oh, crap. There's like something going on because that doesn't usually happen once in a game, much less twice in a 24 to three run. So I don't know. It was just one of those times where I was watching the game and I I was watching it during that span. And I just got a pit in my stomach is like, oh, no, this does not feeling right you know so sorry what was your point going to be oh, point being like if you look at that if you look at the box score outside of first off the defense was weird because my point being they made fifth syracuse made 55 percent three point three point shots which is amazing but if you look yeah. at rebounds assists still block turnover and fouls you would think Essex might have won the game or at least been very close they had 10 more offensive rebounds 10 more offensive rebounds. They had a couple more assists. They had six to zero steals, but then the eight to one block flip from Syracuse kind of makes that almost a wash of six to nine. That's pretty brutal. They had, they forced 12 turnovers. Syracuse had 12 Aztecs only, or sorry, San Diego State forced 12 turnovers compared to five forced turnovers. Fouls are about the same free throws difference. But if you just look at that part, like the rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks, it was pretty much. Fairly even outside of the offensive rebounds. And I'll consider steals and blocks kind of the same category as a turnover. Those are basically the same. You would think this would have been a close game. Like, even the total fouls allowed Syracuse were getting – there weren't many free throws, but 13 to 7. Like, yeah, Aztecs were 3 to 7. But if you look at that part of the game, if you were to tell me, hey, let me see the box score. Don't give me who won. Just give me, like, the key figures outside of uh, – obviously, the point totals or free throws, three-point even percentage – you would have said, oh, this game's probably pretty even. And you probably think the team that only turned the ball over five times and that had 10 more offensive rebounds probably would have won. They ended up losing by 16 points, where 
it doesn't match up to what the result was for how they actually performed in non-shooting situations. However, shooting the basketball is how you win the game, essentially. Yeah, and I mean, you can you can survive a shooting night like the one they had. I mean, they shot 43-pointers. That is a, Too much. a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, it goes to your point, what you were saying earlier, of like, hey, if it's not working. <laughs> they shot the ball uh, 20 more times in Syracuse. 20 more total shots. Like, yeah. come on, look, look at the opportunity they had. Like I mentioned, the 10 more offensive boards, the seven more steals. They had 17 more. I, I'm, I'm it's pretty accurate to say 17 more chances to shoot the basketball. And they took a 17 and they probably made like four of them or something. And that's how they lost the game. They were not, they, well, got, they had opportunities yeah. and they couldn't take advantage. Well, and I mean, you know, it's gonna, you're going to have to play a pretty great game to beat Syracuse the way that they were playing offensively. I mean, of 15 of 27 from beyond the arc, and Buddy Bayheim just go, <laughs> going absolutely 70%. nuts. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it was just a game that, well, and the other thing too, you know, San Diego State go, uh, sorry, Syracuse goes on this run at the end of the half and then they come out and immediately start back up again. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it wasn't really, you know, they didn't go on like they're massive. They went on a, a run later on in the, in the second half, but yeah. they didn't go cold. They came out, they had Merrick Dolezal get a nice bucket inside. And then they, you know, there is a missed shot, but then you get another buddy buckets three and it's like, Oh man, is he really still hot? And yeah, he was, you know, and that was when you sort of had to just know, like, uh, they need to put something together now quickly and it's gotta be strong. And instead Syracuse just piled on and put their foot on the gas. And yeah, it was just, it was really unfortunate because San Diego state had so much potential. I think, I think that they would have matched up really well with that West Virginia team too, and they could have beaten them as well. I, but we won't know because it well, didn't happen. Well, the next game I pulled up the box score there because I didn't really see much of this one. But Buddy had 25 points, six to 13 from threes. They shot 45 percent against three point against West Virginia, and West Virginia was defense is kind of limited. And that game, like this, is just kind of what I mentioned before. 19 offensive rebounds of West Virginia to four for Syracuse. Syracuse out-rebounded them by 12. The turnover, like the steals and blocks, were basically favor Syracuse by three. Turnovers were about a wash. So, like, even West Virginia, who had all the opportunity, they shot the ball 70 times. Syracuse only 52. Like, they, the reason it's closer, they shot de- a decent 11-26 from three-point range. But Syracuse is playing at house money because they sh- – Based on, like, not being able to rebound very well on the offensive Italy and turning the ball over as much as they did. Like, West Virginia turned over 14 times. But if they get a team that protects them a little better, they're going to get blown out. Like, they play Houston. They're going to – I think Houston might smoke them by 15 to 20 points. Yeah. I, I – Houston's defense is so good. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I – I'm, I'm a big fan of Houston's. Um so I, I agree. I think that Houston should win that game, but I would have said the same. You know, I did say the same thing about San Diego State, and I and I would have said the same thing about West Virginia, probably given the chance. So, yeah. you know, I who knows? But you know, we don't see 
Syracuse win the tournament all the time, right? We see them get this far. You know, we've seen we see them beat these two teams. So now let's see what happens when they go up against not only you know Houston, who's got a nice deep team and uh, a lot of well, I, I I don't know karma, magic, whatever you want to call it, whatever got them that win over Rutgers. I don't know how that <laughs> happened still. But, you know, they've got Kelvin Sampson, too, um, who yeah. will not be a stranger to <laughs> to really anything in, in the basketball world. Right. So I don't think Boy, you're going to catch yeah. Jim Beheim catching him off guard with anything. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the other game. I guess yeah. we have to get to Utah State, Texas Tech. Watch hey. this game. Utah State. At the end of the first half. They were what was it 26-23? They had the I think was it the Brock Miller three pointer I want to say. They had the uh, I actually still pulled up here. I'm trying to get back to oh, it, but they okay. I was, they were I was looking by, at the wrong, wrong box score. Yeah, there we go. That's okay. They were leading by a couple points at halftime, and then and then unfortunately, it's a repeat of San Diego State Utah State Mountain West Championship game times ten, <laughs> where right. I don't even know what the massive run was. I know at one point I was tweeting. I'm like. It's 13 to 0. I'm like, I'm out here. I got things to do. I'm not going to watch this in a minute. I got, I'll catch up later. But they were, the second half, Rock scored 42 to 27. Yeah, they're up 26 23. They were down to, I think they were 0 for 8 for three points until I think they made two at the end of the first half. But the, that defense, Texas Tech, we're amazing. What it was, Utah State turned the ball over, and this is one of our big things, Andy, 22 times. It was just awful. I, I couldn't, I could not. Uh, I was pulling my hair out with all the turnovers and, you know, they were Texas Tech was earning them <laughs> yeah, they, full court, but, quarter court press. They mixed it up. Oh, they, my gosh. Like, even Texas Tech, like they out rebounded Texas Tech by quite a bit by 10 rebounds. Multiple. Not who knows. This would have been closer than the uh, Aztec Syracuse, but like they out them more chances. They just had a few, the blocks in blocks plus deals were identical, actually plus one for Utah state. So you get the turnover. So, I have a weird question here for stats because you get all the turnovers. Shouldn't at some point, unless you throw it, knock it off yourself or an errant pass, shouldn't that be more in line between your blocks and steals and turnovers? <laughs> because I guess if you get your so, block back, I'm guessing. Right, see- exactly. If if I block your shot and it goes off the rim and one of your teammates gets it, you know, that's not a turnover. It's I've just, always just thought missed, about that. You missed I a just, shot. No, I know. It's, it's a weird one, though, when you see that big disparity between blocked shots and uh, the turnovers, you know, and, and there's just not it lining up. The other thing with turnovers, too, to remember is, um, you know, you're going to get all sorts of other turnovers in there, traveling, yeah. uh, offensive fouls, True, just yeah. throw, throwing the ball away, that sort of thing. But it's and, and, that, and that's the thing. And so when you look at the this game man 22 turnovers and i'm i'm looking at the ken palm box score uh your eyes put the shades on <laughs> well it's it's it was 33 percent of the possessions man when a third of your possessions are ending with a turnover <laughs> you're gonna lose that game actually more than a third i get it when we went by shots but yeah if you break it in even more 50 shots 22 turnovers jeez <laughs> So, yeah, so the way that the possessions are calculated here, uh, Ken Palm has it at 66 possessions because you throw in, you know, this Off, the offensive fouls. Turn to travel and, the, and, and the offensive rebounds count as like second possessions, sort of. So, yeah, so, yeah you get those things going on. Um, but 
but yeah, so when you look at, you know, about roughly 66 possessions in the game and 22 turnovers, man, that is just every third, every third. Yeah. So, it's, you know, one out of three. And then, you know, they they shot well on the interior, which is not surprising. Um, but Kate only had 11 points. He, he couldn't give him the ball enough because he kept turning the ball over at midcourt. He was five of eight. Seven, he he was still probably he would. He played better than Mac McClellan this game. Like part of it with that when McClellan came out, like okay they'll keep it close because he, I don't know why he was out for that stretch. I guess they kept scoring. Like well keep you on the bench just in case. He only had one foul the whole game, so it wasn't like he had three in the first half. We had like that. What was it? Two to five, whatever it was. Was it almost five minutes? He's out then started the second half or mm. part way through. He took some break in the second yeah. half. Like more than just like a minute or two here. It's like an actual four or so minute break. And that's where they kept rising, and Texas Tech kept going and going. But like, Kata was the best player in the court. 13, he almost had a triple-double. Like, seven blocks, 11 points, 13 boards. But they need him to get, like I've said all year, needs to get him to at least 15 points a game. Not Like, okay, five more may not have made a difference because he lost by 12. But if he's, I don't know, they'd be getting more shots. Like, he, that's the one thing I, I've had criticism all year. They need to get him the ball more and more chances down low. Well, and they only scored 53 points in in total. Yeah. I mean, they just they so. just couldn't make it work on offense anywhere. But yeah, but I mean that was that was what they needed. They needed that to be a given, right? Because I mean, it's it's not like they were supposed to win this game. Utah State was the 11 seed, and Texas Tech was the six. Only a four but, point game though. Like that's what it ended up being four point line. Right. No. 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 And so yeah, they should have been more in it than they were. For I'll give you that. But we were saying, you know. Basically, Kata being dominant needs to be a given, <laughs> and then you need something on top of that to pull off this upset. Uh, and so we did, you know, you got Kata being dominant on one end for stretches of time. Uh, but offense, he wasn't. Well, and, you know, turnovers, only 11 points. And he, you're not going to get Kata to stop them from hitting seven three-pointers usually. So, yeah. I mean, that's not all on him. He, <laughs> He no. can do what he can do. I mean, they only shot 43% on two pointers, so it's not like they were Light crushing it. I mean, he had seven blocks. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he did that, but it was those five turnovers, right? Uh, it or was, Brock Miller not hit, going two of seven, or Anderson going 0 for five. And that, and that was one of those cherries on the top that we were talking about last week was Brock Miller. We you know he needs to, if they're going to do this, he's probably going to need Brock Miller hitting a couple big, and he did hit a couple. Shots, uh, but not enough. And not need, right, he hit literally points, a couple of yeah. three points, <laughs> yeah, and, he took, and he took seven. So I mean, it just it just didn't click, uh, and it, it seemed like it was going fine, right? You know, yeah. Texas Tech's offense was the one that wasn't clicking, and then it did really well, right? As Utah State, and you know, their defense and their offense came together right at the same time, and that's stretch you know at the start of the second half and that run what well, i think 24 to 4 is the run here Something like that it just yeah and it just after that the game was you know it was just like a formality um there was not there you, you could tell the wind kind of came out of utah state sails there i just never felt like okay here they come they're coming back it was just oh man just prolonged agony sort of for a while it was and then watch yeah. like, one thing that's like in the first half they kept saying 0 for 5 0 for 6 and they're still in this game and they were one for nine at three point range at the half and they're up by three i'm like yeah i will take that despite not shooting well i'm still leading by three they're like there's no way i'm going to keep shooting this poorly which 
they did they apparently were basically the same. I don't have the splits, but their point total was basically the same one one fewer point, one less point, I think. No, sorry, one more point. Six and eight look the same on my monitor here. But it you figured they there's no way they could be worse on offense. And they weren't really worse, but defense is just to all that. It was just, it's tough to watch. Like, this tech defense is amazing. It's much better than I thought it was. And who do they have next? They have Arkansas. Is that their next game? Well, they had Arkansas. Oh, they lost, lost Arkansas. Lost yeah. it, too. That's right. But, like, this defense, like. That was a great game. It was. Nope. Utah State, it's just the guy. It's the stuff we mentioned. Like, you can't be back from three-point range. You need Brock and Miller to step up. You need Kata to probably score 15, at least 15 points. And everything they, we, they should have done, outside of Kata's defense, they did not, none of those. <laughs> Yeah, and that was, yeah, <laughs> that's when you're not hitting any of the keys to the game, really, except for, you know, one on when you're not hitting any of the offensive keys to the game, then, uh, yeah, you're going to end up with 53 points and a very short trip to Indianapolis. Yeah, very short. Uh, all right, let's move on. we got some NIT games here. We're not going to spend as much time on them, but we do have basketball, so don't freak out, people. We still have a little bit going on here within the Mountain West. <laughs> Yeah, Colorado State's still in it. So, but it's I got, oh, I do want to say one thing that's kind of like frustrating, or not I don't know frustrating, but it seems like it could be if I were a, a Colorado State fan. Um, all these NCAA commercials or the Uber Eats commercials that are playing during oh, the NCAA Leslie tournament Leslie Jones. with Leslie Jones in her Colorado State gear because she's an alum. I was wondering it, about that. I saw like, wait, why is she wearing that? I'm like, so she, she's she's an alumnus. Yeah, uh, but and hilarious <laughs> and hilarious. I love Leslie Jones, but like, I was like, man, really, you're gonna take one of the first four teams who didn't get put in the NCAA tournament, and then you're gonna advertise using their school the whole time? It's like when they. I don't know. It's like doing NFL Brown or NFL playoffs commercials using Browns fans, except for this year. You know, <laughs> yeah. finally that joke doesn't land anymore. But for one year, <laughs> for one year, we'll get we'll get back. Don't worry. But we'll you're right. It's like I saw it. I'm like, what is she? Why? I'm like, did she go there? Did she? Because I buy random T-shirts. Like I'm getting some stuff from like Homefield Apparel, some University of Houston Fi Assembly, Fi Assembly shirts or their UC Irvine surfboard stuff. I'm getting that sent my way pretty soon, but. It's 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 good, but it's like oh, it's like oh, every time we're this close, we can. It's like yeah, it's it's good, but it's like oh, come on, what? Doris a bone. I don't know. We're a Ghostbusters shirt. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but we have the Rams. They're up against uh, the NC State. Who did they beat in the first round? They beat uh, Buffalo in a close 75-73 game. Well, I also have a question for you. Do you know why these games are like a week apart? Um, I don't know for testing purposes. Could be they're all in Dallas not, area. I just noticed that weird. I kind of figured they would be at maybe every three or four days. But they play NC State, three seed, fourteen and ten. The mighty Wolfpack, one word Wolfpack, not the spaced Wolfpack. I get that it's funny. It's like a Nevada Wolfpack, NC State Wolfpack all together. <laughs> But that game Thursday, hopefully you may you may not listen just by then, so we're not gonna do dive too much into it. But it's five Mountain Time on ESPN. Boise plays Memphis, seven Mountain Time on ESPN as well. So, but those two games, go watch. They these should be pretty good matchups because the Mountain West you want to keep winning. It's gonna be helpful for the conference. It's gonna be good for next year, even though Broncos fans don't like Leon Rice at the moment. Just be, just because it's like we should be better than this when you are the best you've been in like a decade or longer with him. But Memphis is going to be really tough. Memphis is a, like a four or five point favorite. 
But just go watch these games. I'd like to see the Rams. Because would it be cool? Is it possible? I don't have the bracket. Could it be a uh, Mountain West final, possibly? Uh, no, the they are on the they're on the same side of the bracket. Ooh. Unfortunately, that's one of the few things I do know about the NIT. I haven't been following it as closely, honestly. Me neither. I got, well, I mean, okay, I need I the Beavers, man. I've been really hyper focused at Tunnel it. Vision. I've never, I, you know, I just it's been so much fun for me to actually get to geek out as a fan. Uh, that I've been a little derelict in my duties as, you know, someone who's covering the sport. Because <laughs> it's no, just been, your team. It's my been team is so out of fun, my though. Team is garbage. <laughs> well, hey, your team, yeah, they better not steal one of the, one of the coaches from us. How is the progress on that, by the way, with, with the Utah? Are they still looking at Alex Jensen? That would be the number one pick because he played with Rick Majerus, assistant with Rick Majerus. However... Right. What do you want, an NBA head coaching job or a college job? He's basically the Utah Jazz number two guy on the best team in the NBA. And so do you really want – plus, do you want to – like, how awkward would it be – not to make this like a Jazz Utah thing, which we're doing, but it's probably him. Porter Moser has been brought up, which I'm like, fine. Maybe Todd Simon, who just won coach of the year in a big sky sky down southern Utah – there could be some fun Mark Pope and Craig Smith possibilities. Well, yeah. So just BYU, one but thing that I had heard was with Craig Smith. That's a name I keep hearing come up, and that's why I brought the Utah job up is because, you know, I wonder we've, – we've got some coaching vacancies that have already been filled in the, in the Mountain West, and we'll get to those in a sec. But I wonder, you know, with the Minnesota job – because I remember hearing that Craig Smith – you know, there was, there was some interest maybe in that Minnesota yeah. job for Craig Smith – um, they, I, I wonder they went with yeah. Well, they went with to Ben Johnson. Not exactly with it. They went. Yeah, oh, no, they sorry, went, not Ben Johnson. They went sorry. back. They no, they did go to Ben Johnson. Just he was at Xavier, but he's you know an alum. He played for them all that. So they are going you know going go. back, going within, going in the family. Let's Close say enough. yeah. Uh, but I wonder you know are is that going to make Craig Smith? Just you know, say okay, well, I'll stay in Logan then, or is he going to start looking at the the University of Utah job? I wonder, or are they are they going to look at him? At the moment, the search is kind of like whatever because okay. there's no nothing come out there. But people like Porter Moser from Loyola, which that'd be a pretty good get. But it'd be funny if Mark Pope were to go because I love Mark Pope as you've known for years on the when he's at UVU, like bring him on, take him to Nevada, take him here. But he's at BYU. I don't know if he'd leave. They could like triple salary. But with back with Alex Jensen, if he's the guy, would you want to leave an NBA team that's like they they're crushing the Nets right now? Okay, James Harden's not playing. All these other guys aren't playing on the team tonight. But would you want to leave an NBA job where you're on track to be the best team and maybe win the title and could take some other NBA opening or go recruit at your? It is at your alma mater. You did play in coach there, so there's that. And you were on the team that went to the Final Four. You're on very successful teams. That it, I don't know what you would choose. I probably would stick with the NBA if I were him. But here's the thing: that I don't know what Alex Jensen makes, but Larry Kaskovac was making about three million dollars as like a top fifteen coach because Utah Jazz kind of uh, don't release salary, which is fine. Which again, NBA doesn't really do that. But if it's not him, I I here's the thing: I don't know what Utah wants as a coach. That's the thing. So we don't need to go Fair. too much what Utah want, but. It could be Craig Smith. That would be a logical choice because he moved up from his prior job. Was he Drake before Utah State, correct? 
Uh, no, that was Nico Medved Nico. was at Drake. Um, South, South Dakota. Dakota. Yeah, South Dakota State. So he's made the big move. He's done well at Utah State. No, that was that was TJ Eltelberger. He was at South Dakota hey, State. Where's Craig, Craig Smith, Smith from? Is, Craig Smith is just regular South Dakota. Oh, good. <laughs> of course I <laughs> Come know. Come on, man. Get all your Dakotas straight. <laughs> Come on, man. Midwest. I can't even tell him on the map probably. But he probably would be – uh, he'd be a really good choice. So I, I they want Alex Jensen. That's kind of like the razor focus. But I don't know if he would leave. If the Jazz were just like a four seed in the West West Western Conference, they are just doing fine. He probably should take a coach a college job. But I think he stays. I think it's I, they probably want Porter Moser because he's sexy higher for him. If they, especially if they make the a Final Four run again, yeah. I think it could be him. But Craig Smith has to be behind their list. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see if that job opens up. Now, one job that's no longer open is the UNLV gig, because that went to Kevin Kruger. Yep, hiring within. So, uh, yeah, how do you feel about that one? <laughs> it's different than what they normally do, because here's the thing about Rebel fans. Now, they will not like me for this. It's not uh, 1990, buddy. Same with my University of Utah. It's not 1999. <laughs> Same thing. They're not what they were. They still have a little bit of stuff. Like they got Duke to come to T-Mobile Arena a couple years ago. They can get they can go to Kansas State. They can get some decent teams. They're like, oh yeah, it's UNLV that team that was good back in the with Larry Johnson and Stacey Ogwin and stuff back in the day. But I what they've been trying to do before every hire they've made, like had they kept on the kept Chris Beard who was there for like a week, that would have been really good. But yeah. You get guys from Mexico State. You get guys from mid major stuff. Like you're clearly not a top elite program. Where was Chris Beard before? Was he at Stephen F. Austin? Oh boy! You of course we have tr- here. You are I, testing me here. Um, <laughs> Little Rock. Little Rock, Arkansas. Arkansas Little Rock. Yes, he previously coached at Little Rock. So yeah, so Little Rock. Um, cool. Hey, still got the conference right, Southland. So give me that credit. Come on, FSFA, Little Rock. But sorry to Sunbelt Conference fans. Uh, are they Sunbelt now? Yeah, Little Rock is in the Sunbelt. Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyway. No, they're not, they're not not listening it's okay but my point my point being <laughs> <laughs> look look at who the coaches they've been going after if you think you're a big yeah. time program you're getting the coach from the sun belt you're gonna coach in the summit league is that right south dakota state yes yeah like, right. you got it man you got it <laughs> but like the mexico state like look who they're bringing in they're not going after getting the guy from the big 10 or the big 12 even if it's like a lower level within the conference you're not you're not even pulling out like just let's just use your Oregon State team. They're typically not a high team in the, in the Pac-12. You're not even going out and getting a coach at that level finishes middle of the pack in the power conference. You're pulling out middle to upper tier, mostly upper tier guys from very small conferences. So you're not a major program if you can't pull on those guys. So hiring within, I think it's the best move because who like the name that look at remember when we we're going through all the names. It, I felt that Todd Simon would have been the best option just because of familiarity and what he did, and he's still recruiting that same area. But hiring within, the only downside I would say with it because you're hiring within from a, from a staff that was just fired. That's the only downside where – and then already today, three even because I guarantee the reason you hired from within, let's keep our staff together, our players together. Three freshmen already transferred in the portal. So yeah. that doesn't – so what do you what do you think? Was it the a best move to go with things? It was different from before. And you know, it is always gonna go, oh, let's hire a coach from here, let's get somebody completely different just because, which is not always the smartest thing to do. Yeah, I think it was a good hire. I don't know that it was 
the best, but I'm also not as familiar maybe with UNLV's books. Um, and do you know know what how how open the purse was for this hiring? Well, they got a big uh, buyout from Ulta Burger, a couple million true. dollars. So, but I, you know, maybe they're gonna pocket that. <laughs> uh, but you know, I I think certainly Kevin Kruger, you know, you've got more than just his familiarity with the staff and continuity. Um, you do have history with him in the Sweet 16 run. You do have um. What year was that? Was that 2007? Um, Something. No, looking here, career history. He, I got his wiki up here. Yeah, 0607. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you've got the Sweet 16 run that he did, you know, in his one season at UNLV. Because um, he came over as a grad transfer from Arizona State. First grad transfer, like with the first, the first wave of them, right? Mm-hmm. When that like rule that. first got passed. Uh, yeah, I was just reading something that was like Kevin Kruger now has to deal with the Kevin Kruger rule, and oh, just seeing that he was apparently like one of the first people in that after Kevin Kruger and UNLV upset uh, Wisconsin. Bill Ryan, a uh, longtime head coach over there at Wisconsin, yeah. had some pretty pointed words about the whole grad transfer thing, saying that you know he he was one of the hundreds of coaches that voted against it or something. And I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, so you've got you've got some lore. You've got obviously the family ties are good as well in that, you know, his dad is one of the most successful coaches in college basketball history and long Kruger or, you know, I don't know. Coach with him too in Oklahoma. So there's that yeah. as well. I mean, so in, in terms of just, it's a good pedigree hire, right? It's a good, it, it's a good, it's a, it's a you're good not, hire on you're paper, not proje- but you're, you're not projecting confidence here. <laughs> no, I'm not. And I think, and I think it's the, for the same reason that you said it's continuity, you know, you're carrying George over Taylor. from a, from a season that didn't go very well. So you're kind of wondering what's going on there, but Hey, maybe part of that is just the, the team and, and TJ specifically didn't click. Who knows? You know, that may be the missing piece that will make, make things work i i i want to be hopeful for it uh i think it it should be good um i don't think it'll be a disaster hire i just don't know that it's necessarily a program changing hire um but i think it can help them at least tread water in the middle of the mountain west and you know I don't think they're going to fall to the bottom of the pack or anything because of this hire, but I just don't know that it necessarily propels them any further higher than they already are. I think it just kind of keeps them in a little bit of a holding pattern maybe, but I'm so, hopeful to waited? be proven. Should they have waited for somebody else like Porter Moser? Would he have gone to UNLV or somebody like that? Like, should they have waited? Well, like, and I don't know. Cause I, I, I think they might have, kind of come to this decision a while ago um i was reading gosh i can't i can't remember where i read it from i wish i had it up again uh right here but i was reading about uh desiree reed francois mm-hmm. that's the the ad there right correct basically that she knew that iowa state was bad <laughs> and that <laughs> they were probably going to fire their coach and so apparently she and tj had been talking and like they kind of saw this coming basically. And he's like, yeah, if they offer me that job, 
it's going to be hard for me to say no. Um, and she encouraged it. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. I don't know about any of that. But I, all I know is that, you know, I think when we say, you know, should they have waited longer? I think the clock on this started earlier than we might have thought originally. You know, I don't think the clock on this started the moment Steve Prohm gets fired over at Iowa State. I think it gets the the moment they start, you know, oh, and. 10 in conference plays. Well, we discussed it weeks ago, remember? Like, there's an ESPN yeah. article, there's the ESPN Plus thing about here's some coaches who could go here and there. We kind of knew problem was gone. Minnesota was most likely gone, like stuff like that. But also, it's also a cost saving move. They're paying him. Like, maybe this is what he's. Here's the thing, too. I think UNLV is like the course correction thing, which is it happens, but it shouldn't because you're kind of hurting yourself by limiting to going to this type of person, player, coach. So, Ultraberg had a pretty big contract, 1.2 million just behind Dutcher. So they're paying Kruger 770 this year. So part of it too, and he, it, this is their third coach in five years, or really fourth, fourth and six. We count Dave Rice final year and Simon stuff because Menzies was three years. He was gone team two years. He was gone. Ultraberger, they get to get buyout, but they're paying him 770 for a Kruger. And so I don't know if it was, and then the buyout to get back. So I don't know, maybe it could be a money thing where, Football couldn't sell any tickets because they were supposed to be in the new Raider Stadium, and that probably would have brought in just some curiosity traffic to go a couple thousand extra to the game. So I don't know. It's like it's not it for people who want to Rick Pitino's list. Who cares about the ten million dollar buyout? I'm like Rebels don't have ten million dollars. And Rick Pitino has said so many times, I want to end my school at a small Catholic university and do it. He's at the school I went to. I love it. Do good. Hopefully. Things go well going forward. But you're not getting Rick Pitino. You weren't getting any other big name. Any name out there, there's no big names on there. Like Frank Martin name gets tossed out everywhere just because it's Frank Martin. <laughs> and it's well, Yeah, and I don't know, like any of the other, like more recently, like Archie Miller got let go at Indiana. Uh, Steve Wojciechowski. Yeah, we'll Marquette, probably butchered that right? last name at Marquette. Yeah. Wojciechowski. Yeah, sure. Think. <laughs> uh, Coach Yeah, Wojo. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's how I always knew him because I was Duke. Yeah. So, I mean, if we remember, I think I've said this before. I grew up a Duke fan, and yeah. Wojo was definitely on those Duke teams that I was rooting for as a little kid. Obviously. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't think he had, would have any reason to come out to UNLV or anything, and I'm not sure Archie Miller <laughs> necessarily would either. But I. Yeah, what I mean, hey, take it's a fine. shot on we'll your see. guy. Take your shot. I, again, I'm not. I don't think it's a bad hire. I just, I'm, I'm struggling to get super excited. But I'm also not a part of the UNLV Rebel fan base, and so I might not have the same uh, emotional connection, right? Because we said that I, I mentioned yeah. it before about the lower part of it, right? I don't have that really. I mean, yeah, well, it was, it was it's fun. like it was when I was like ten years old or something. You know what I mean? Like in the so late eighties. I, I I can't speak to the are the are the fans energized by it uh, from that aspect maybe um, no, hopefully they so. will be but I maybe it doesn't I haven't matter. I haven't seen an overwhelmingly positive response or negative response just kind of like eh, okay so UNLV follow Tyler Brace off for UNLV stuff there's now three maybe four players and also verbal commits this type of year because um, you have I believe if I'm correct three guys gone off the roster and also. Check our buddy Larry put up a good list. Uh, we're going to kind of update through the offseason. Transfer tracker, which we do for football. We have that in basketball. Then also the eligibility tracker, which because everybody gets a free year. 
So he's put on there guys who are go, basically if you're a super senior or not, if you're going to return or go pro or just move on. There's a couple guys like uh, um, Malcal is going pro for New Mexico. McGee's transferring. You have like uh, Terrell Gomez going pro. A um, couple guys, no word yet. So check that out too. We'll keep eyeing that off, off season because it'll be interesting if guys are just doing basketball or they want to go do another year here or somewhere else within the league. So check that out. Was there anything else coaching stuff we need to get to? Because San Jose well, State still, we could wrap up really quick at that because that's like a good 90 second topic. <laughs> yeah. So the San Jose State jobs uh, still open. Uh, it's still posted on their website, uh, the school the school website. I was just looking at the uh, the requirements. You must have at least five years head coaching experience. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's just really funny. What to, level? Like, read, what, 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 read, what level? What level? Yeah, does it say? Oh, uh, probably. Yeah, well, let me pull that back up. Yeah, I'm just wondering, is it head coaching or coaching general? Because all right, that- so so let's read. Let's just. I'll go ahead and read you the uh, the required <laughs> qual- qualifications, and then the preferred qualifications. So the required qualifications to be men's head basketball coach at San Jose State, uh, a bachelor's degree from an accredited four-year college, so no or, or 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 equivalent professional experience in a related field. Basketball. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and a minimum of five years of basketball coaching experience or equivalent. Level not noted. Or head, or Preferred qualifications. Mm. Demonstrated coaching and recruiting experience and success at the college or professional level. Knowledge and understanding of NCAA rules and regulations. Demonstrated commitment to the academic achievement of student athletes. So, you know... Um, it should if be noted. You can coach anywhere. Submit. It's public. We yeah, the, those applications are open until March 31st, by the way. So if you're listening, you got about a week to get those in. And you're asking me what what's is weird. I'm like, well, typically some state schools have to have this. Right. Like they're required to publicly list jobs for a certain amount of time. But also, it should be noted, it was the lowest coaching in the conference for pay wise, like two hundred seventy five thousand dollars. So there's been literally it's the this is the first I've opened. It's literally been like. No peep, no word, nothing on who's going to take it or not. It's a guy, the coach who's going to end up taking it is going to be a guy who's never been a head coach ever. And unless you get a go, like I remember a couple years ago, they wanted some D2 coach from Connecticut. I forget his name, but they're seriously looking at him. He's pretty successful. But so, they're going to, I don't know, they're going to have to get some assistance. There's going to be, what I'm going to say is zero current head coach, current head coach is going to take this job at the um, Division One level. That's I can fun. almost guarantee that's That's Funny you were saying that. I was just before we started uh, recording. I was talking with Eli Betker about this, <laughs> about this job, because I was like, man, is anyone going to take this job? And he, and he said the exact same thing. Uh, he does. <laughs> he does not think a head coach, a D1 head coach, is going to um, take this job. So you know, started thinking. Now the only one interesting one I could see one head coach because I had brought up the name, you know, Rick Croy from uh, Cal Baptist. He's had a pretty mm-hmm. good run. But I, yeah, I think for the same reasons you said, I don't know necessarily that a, a head coach is making this move. Mac, Mike McPio at UC Riverside could be interesting just because a he was an interim head coach, even though sports too. And they could be cutting sports, or I don't know if they've made that decision, but like they're on the chopping block potentially. So that's the one could, spot I was looking to because and and, yeah. and not to mention that, um, but I mean. Uh, San Jose State is a program that has struggled, um, just like UC Riverside. Um, 
and not only struggled to find relevancy in its own conference, but even at its own institution, right? Like the athletics program, I just don't really think it's a priority necessarily. The basketball program, um, at UC Riverside, you know, they're considering cutting athletics. You know, obviously it's a, it's not always a a want conversation, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, what um, is really really quick? It's last yeah. summer the budget advisory committee recommended several cost cutting moves. Notably, eliminate athletic teams altogether. So just go to club, and because 90% from USA Today of the UCR's athletic department's budget um, comes with um, just pandemic stuff. Obviously, I thought there's more to it, but they were the three seed in the Big West this year, so like they were a pretty good team. The Highlanders with Mike McPayo. So that's the one coach I was thinking. Too. I didn't know his name. I'm glad you brought it up. I was like, well, isn't Riverside dropping sports? So maybe guy in state could take that job. But well. I, and there's, I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily, um, I, I think that it's a place where he could go make a mark, uh, which would be maybe some, I think that's where you'd have to attract a head coach who wants to go, you know, make their mark somewhere. And when he's got the interim, the, the, everything's in flux. I could see it, um, especially cause they did have so much success and I, he's just a fun energetic guy he's smart the other thing is with the money thing he is independently wealthy from basketball he i think he was an investment banker or something (laughs) or a real estate maybe i'm sorry i can't remember exactly what it is (laughs) but he's got he's got (laughs) money um and and so i don't think that the salary is necessarily his his main thing so if there if you're taking that job salary is not your problem well right exactly so if you're looking for a head coach who might be looking you know nearby who might be looking to make a a move up right from the big west to the mountain west who might be not as concerned with money as other head coaches and might be up for the challenge I think you could do a lot worse than Mike Magpile. Now, they've also got Julius Hodge already on the staff. I think that could be a fun hire, the former NC State uh, star. Um, I I don't believe he was let go with Jean Prelo. Uh, I don't think the rest of the staff, you know, I think I didn't see anything about that. Um, so, you know, that could be an interesting hire to um, – to, to promote tough. from within there. Um, that might be the best option because going back right. to if two winning seasons since 93-94 and then mixed in there is when they were a Big West uh, tourney runner, 16 seed, and made NCAA tournament with 13 and 17 record. So it's clearly not a place. Like even we mentioned Dave Wojcik, he was only 14 and 16, but he kind of improved gradually. Like they had a winning season a decade ago with George Neesman, but or Nesman, however you say it, but – Maybe promoting from within is the case. It's not going to be a current head coach. Like, think about it. somebody from A-Sun. Like, would you want to say you're the Texas Southern head coach? Would you want to go from there to a place you probably never recruited, not from, to a program that, yeah, it's a step up. It's better, probably better pay. I'm assuming. I don't know how much better pay. If you're only getting 235 as a college head coach, Sunbelt coaches or A-Sun coaches or HBCU schools, the guys are probably making close to that same amount. You know what I mean? And so it's – why would you want to go to an unfamiliar place for yeah a better job? But your pay's probably not going as far being in the Bay Area. You know it's a tough job. It's I don't know. I'm I like your choice of running from within and just go from there and see what happens. 
Now, here's here's one last interesting name I'll throw out that I don't exactly know how to pronounce yet, and I'll apologize for that. Justin Labaugh? Labaugh? Um, L-A-B-A-G-H. So Justin Labaugh, we'll go with that, is the, um, he's the head coach of the uh, City College of San Francisco. Okay. He has won... 486 games. What level with, is that? Um, I think Juco. Okay, I just wondering. Okay. Uh, the California Community College Athletic Association. Okay, yeah, Juco. That's where yeah. they play. Um, they went 30 and 0 in 2019-20. He's oh, 48, 486 and 60 in his career there. <laughs> He's got an eight, 89% winning percentage. They've won 15 conference championships, three state championships. They went to four final fours. He's He got a NBA first-round draft pick? I don't Do know it. who this guy is. I've never heard this. Day. I was just searching, like, what are the top JUCOs around, you know, the San Jose, the Bay Area? And I just ran across Powell? this, and I'm like, who is this, like, Bob Knight who's just chilling at CCSF? <laughs> so I don't know who this person is, uh, and that's probably on me for not knowing the area. No, super you do well, not but... need to know the junior college coach of San Francisco. Come on, I need to know everything. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, he's obviously been doing this for a while. It's <laughs> 550 games or whatever like i it's just that's impressive so and for uh, yeah so hey there's another there's another name so mike he played played the cal just before jason kidd arriving so cal is actually the upswing there so it's just uh oh he played after sorry after jason justin labaugh he played at cal He oh, came in here after Jason Kidd went pro. Oh, see, so look at that. I, I literally did not know who this person was. I did not. I was not joking. I just found this, and you know, I just was like, "Whoa, what are these numbers I'm seeing?" Okay, to be fair, he didn't play much. He well, played 17. Assuming sports reference <laughs> is not failing, no. you, 17 oh, yeah, games at 0.7 minutes a game, but still. Hey, it's but let's a, look at those per 40 minute numbers at 97, <laughs> baby. 26.7 points per 40 minutes. When he played one minute of the game? <laughs> yeah, something like that. He played uh, He played three wow. minutes over 10 games. <laughs> Dude, How do you bring, do that? I, I don't know. Just bring him in. Like, it's going to be, it needs to be, here's the, we'll end up on this because we're actually an hour and I think we'd go this long. Bring in a creative guy. I'm all for this. We need to write a post. Maybe I'll do it about why they should hire him to be a San Jose State head coach. That's what needs to be done. Right? There you go. I mean, you got to do something. And, I, yeah, I just, I don't know what you need to do for this. Oh, actually, hey, look, I, I just jumped on a, a 24-7 uh, San Jose State forum. <laughs> and somebody else brought this name up. I'm Heck not the yeah. only one. Hey, so here we go. Right, and I bet somebody, it's our buddy oh, Andrew Pang who we No, Andrew with. Pang says George Nesman was also a very successful junior what? college coach. And how well did that work out for San Jose State? I will step back. Uh, no, he had the last winning record of San Jose State. So do not disperse the name of George Nesman. <laughs> Well, and you know, there's a there's an ongoing argument, but apparently this is like a week ago. So this is not we're not the first people to think of this, but uh, so that would be an interesting one though. So maybe it maybe it is worth looking into a little bit. I am tweeting right now. Our staff is 100% behind just the bottom. <laughs> Once we figure this. out how to pronounce <laughs> the name, it's Labaugh. 
<laughs> so, all right, we're going to wrap up here because it's getting kind of silly here, but I'm glad you brought that up because it brought up some good info here. So I'm definitely, I'm going to do something about it, about, hey, let's go, let's go get behind Labot's Spartan or whatever. So we'll be back uh, talking hoops. We'll, we'll wrap up the NIT. There's some coaching stuff to go through. And here's, I think we should do Andy, if it works with your schedule, maybe we'll be a more periodically during the off season for basketball, maybe not every week, maybe every other week, just to find some hoops news to discuss. We'll have the draft coming up. So I think we oh, need to there'll be, be plenty of transfers. Don't worry about that. Yeah, so we'll kind of keep, keep going a little bit more frequently for bat for hoops as well but we'll be back uh i get yeah we'll come back next week because we got the nit stuff so we'll be back to chat about that yeah and maybe we'll actually get into some more detail on nit because i apologize for us not doing size all ncaa heavy but we'll be back next time to talk some hoops hey maybe we'll have labaz the head coach you know what i'm saying hey at this point we need to get him on the podcast and say hey i was gonna say give him a call well, hey, at least send them the, the link to the job application. I guess. Hey, bye. Here you go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're having too much fun. We'll be back next week to talk some more hoops. Um, we're going to have a football podcast this weekend, chatting a couple fun stuff because the offseason is still going on there. But, yeah, we'll check out next time or check us out. Subscribe, have a laugh, and head over to mwr.com, and we'll see you next time.